What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Boombox Guru, music commentary and music discussion for music lovers. I'm your host, LB, and we got a very good episode for you guys today. So if you don't want to miss out, tune in and keep it locked in. Hey, what's good, everybody? I want to welcome you all to another episode of the Boombox Guru. I'm your host, LB, and today's episode, we're doing a From Worst to Best album ranking by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of my favorite rock bands of all time, and I decided to focus on the period of 1984 all the way to 1991, pretty much the early years, all the way till Blood Sugar Sex Magic, when they became rock superstars. So please don't turn that dial, stay tuned, and keep it locked in for this episode of the Boombox Guru. Alright, so without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and kick this thing off. Like I said, this is an album ranking from worst to best. So, we're starting with the worst album, in my opinion, in the Chili Peppers discography. We're going to start with the self-titled debut album, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, which came out back in 1984. Now, a lot of people probably don't even know about this record that much. I know I didn't find out about it till like 2003, 2004. I seen it in one of those BMG CD magazines. You remember those magazines back in the day where you could order like several CDs and get them in the mail? That's how I discovered that the Chili Peppers had been out since the early to mid 80s. But anyway, the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, self-titled debut album. Uh, this is easily a forgettable album. I think in 2007, it had managed to sell over 300,000 copies which that's probably pretty significant considering that it really didn't sell a whole lot when it came out. Yeah, this this album was not that successful. It charted just under the Billboard 200, which I believe they call bubbling under the Billboard 200. It charted at 201. So, yeah, this this record I mean, there are some things that I do like about this album. Um I like the song True Men Don't Kill Coyotes which was the first single, and they also shot a video to that. Uh, I like the song Out in L.A. It's a short song. Uh, it's a rap song that is based on a poem that Anthony Kiedis uh, wrote about Los Angeles, about living in Los Angeles. And then there's the song called Mommy Where's Daddy, which is mainly an instrumental song. It just has, I guess, a little kid or somebody with a pitched vo- voice repeating mommy where's daddy it's a pretty cool like kind of slow funky song but it's mainly instrumental um some more things about this album that i enjoy is i like the demo versions if you have the 2003 remaster version that came out it came with some bonus tracks which were the demo that they recorded before they recorded the final album and listening to those demo versions of the songs man it just makes me kind of dislike this album even more because those versions of the song is what the band were trying to go for they were trying to go for a more underground kind of raw or gritty or funk style also this record is also considered one of the first funk metal uh releases i don't know if i would call it necessarily funk metal 
that much. And it's also an early, it was also one of the earliest rap rock records. It came out around the same year as, you know, Run DMC, you know, the Beastie Boys, when that whole genre was still kind of bubbling. You know, that whole style where hip-hop was kind of like meshing with rock records and stuff of that nature. So it was one of those early, like, uh, official rap rock albums to come out. But as far as things I dislike about this record, you know, the production, the the album was produced by Andy Gill of Gang of Four, which was a British rock band. Uh, R.I.P. to uh, Andy Gill. He died, I believe, last year. But he was the producer of this record. And, you know, the Chili Peppers were huge fans of Gang of Four. And they were excited to have Andy Gill to come on board and produce this record. But if you read Anthony Kiedis' autobiography, Scar Tissue, he talks about how that experience was nothing like they thought it was going to be. They ended up having conflicts with him because he had a vision of what, what he wanted the album to be. And they had their own vision. And he... He turned the album into like a typical 80s rock sounding record. You know, he he took all he took away a lot of that raw funk and punk energy that the band wanted to go for. He turned it he turned the production very glossy. It, it just he just made if you listen to those demo versions and then you listen to the final album, you'll see what I mean. It's it's a it's a huge contrast between what the band wanted and what he wanted. Another thing is that there's no Hillel Slavic and Jack Irons on the, on the final record. Hillel Slavic and Jack Irons, they are the two original members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hillel was the lead guitar player, and Jack Irons was the drummer. They played on the demo versions, which, like I said, that's included on the remaster version. They played on the demo of this album, but they were also in another band that ended up getting a record deal before the Chili Peppers. So they decided to leave the Chili Peppers and focus on that other band because they thought it was going to be more successful, although it didn't turn out that way. So Anthony and Flea had to hire uh, quick replacements. They hired Cliff Martinez to be the drummer and Jack Sherman on guitar. And Cliff Martinez stayed with the band for another album. Jack Sherman, however, he didn't stay with them very long. He ended up getting fired not long after the album came out because... His personality didn't mesh well with the other members of the band. And this record just had a little bit a little bit too many joke songs. You know, after, I think it's after Out in L.A., the rest of the album is just joke songs. And it's only like two, it's like only like two songs after that, but they're just joke songs. And they just really didn't make any sense. I don't understand why they were even put on the album. I guess they were done... I guess they were done to create some type of filler for the record. But other than that, man, this, it, in my opinion, this is the worst album that the Chili Peppers ever recorded. And I believe they would agree with me because they don't even like this album that much. I don't think they've performed any songs from this album in years, probably over 30 plus years. But it's it's an easily forgettable album. Like I only recommend it for people that are like diehard Chili Peppers fans, I mean diehard Chili Peppers fans, or if you're like me and you just wanted to like complete your collection, that's really the only reason why I would go for this album. Other than that, man, you know, it's, it's you're not really missing out on anything unless you get the remastered version that has those demo songs, which has all the original members of the band. 
because I think that's what really takes away from the record is that you know it's not it doesn't have the, all the original members so that chemistry that they had that Anthony and Flea had with Hillel and Jack Irons isn't there but it, it's just not it's just really just not a great album man so you know at your own risk check it out if you want to but my personal opinion you're not really missing out on much all right so then we're gonna go to the next album which is freaky styley this came out in 1985 this is their second album and i gotta be honest with you i was kind of i was kind of conflicting on where i wanted to place freaky styley because freaky styley is actually one of my favorite chili peppers albums and I wanted to place it a little bit higher, but I just couldn't bring myself to place it above any of the next three records that I'm going to talk about. Even though this is one of my favorite albums by the band, you know, I I didn't want that to be the deciding factor of where I should place it. But it's definitely not in the worst category. I'm definitely going to put this album in the best category because this record was a vast improvement over the debut album. You know, with the first album, it kind of felt as though that the band were kind of just going through the motions and they really wasn't taking things very serious. And, of course, they got shafted because, you know, they lost two of the original members and then their producer and them weren't seeing eye to eye. But this record right here, this was the beginning of the Chili Peppers heading in the right direction. Because, for one thing, Hillel Slavic, he returns to the band. After Jack Irons uh, gets fired and then the band that Hillel left the Chili Peppers to go join didn't didn't pan out as well. He came back to the fold. So he adds like his flavor and he starts. This is the beginning of when the Chili Peppers start to like develop that that signature sound that they had in the early career. You know, his guitar tone had a very uh, psychedelic uh, nature to it. Very acid rock type. He He, he seemed to be a really big student like Jimi Hendrix and stuff of that nature. But yeah, Hillel Slavet returns to the band. And then another thing is that this album was produced by George Clinton. If you don't know who George Clinton is, he's one of the forefathers of funk music. He created the P-Funk sound. He was the leader of Parliament Funkadelic. And, you know, any a lot of great musicians know who George Clinton is, man. De- definitely go Google him if you don't know who he is. But... He produced this record, and because of that, this ended up being the funkiest record that the Chili Peppers ever made. Like, it's, this is this is mainly a pure funk record for the most part. And the interesting thing about, you know, George Clinton producing this record is it really wasn't the Chili Peppers doing George Clinton. It was more of like the meeting of two worlds or two styles. Like, George Clinton brought in his P-Funk flavor while the Chili Peppers brought in their very rock and roll punk funk style of funk music they brought that to the flavor man and uh let's see here some songs on here that i like i like the first song on here called jungle man which i think is a great example of how the chili peppers were really starting to develop that signature sound that they had and then they had two cover songs on here as well called hollywood africa which was originally done by the meters and then you have If You Want Me to Stay, which was originally done by Sly and the Family Stones. Now, me personally, I usually have a bit of a pet peeve about bands doing more than one cover song on an album, especially a studio album. But in this case, these two cover songs actually fit the album. 
they don't really break up the momentum of what the album is doing. It, it just seems like they fit it very well into the flow of the record. Then you have American Ghost Dance, which is one of my favorites on here. This is where the Chili Peppers start to get a little socio-political. Uh, this song is about how Native Americans were treated when they came to America. Of course, Anthony Nikitas, he is uh, part Native American. And this was the beginning of him you know, making songs addressing those issues that faced that face Native Americans. And then uh see the Brothers Cup. The Brothers Cup is one of my favorites on here too. That's one of the funkiest tracks on the album. I mean Flea's bass line on there is just killer. Like Flea Flea is an awesome bassist, man. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And then you have Battleship, which Battleship is really known as Blowjob Park. Cause that's what they talk that's what the song is about. It's about oral sex. And that's what they shout during the chorus. It's Blowjob Park, and it's actually based on a true story about a park somewhere in Los Angeles that was known for that, where people would go and get BJs. And then uh, you have Catholic Schoolgirls Rule, uh, which is a more of a punk rock track, a more more of a funky punk rock track. And uh, it's got an interesting video, which I think is still up on YouTube. It was very controversial, though, so the video didn't get played a lot on MTV. I think it got played in underground nightclubs and stuff because it was very controversial. You know, a lot of sacrilegious imagery and stuff. And then you had, like, young women on there exposing their breasts and stuff. But for the most part, man, uh, this is a really solid album. You know, I'm glad that uh, Hillel came back to the forefront. So you got, what, a third of the Chili, original Chili Peppers lineup back, back in the fold. Uh, the only dislikes that I have is that there's, they still are doing the whole joke track thing. I think sex rap was one of the joke tracks. Excuse me, the joke tracks. And there's another another song on there that's a joke track. That That's my only really dislike on this album is that they were still doing the whole joke track gag, which I'm I'm glad that after this album they, they pretty much put a stop to it. And also I, I wanted to mention that this was the record where Anthony Kiedis started to sing more. Uh, not very much. He's still mainly rapping um, on most of the songs, but this was the beginning of him starting to do it. And I, I just think it's a very solid album. I think it was, I think it was a huge improvement over uh, the self-titled debut album. And I think George Clinton did a great job in producing this band for this record, especially since all of them were heavy into drug use. And the fact that they managed to pull off such a uh, in my opinion such a good album and a great funk album it, it blows my mind man so yeah freaky stally is definitely in the category for uh best of the chili peppers all right so moving along man we get to the next album called the uplift mofo party plan now this was the beginning of the chili peppers starting to really see success because the first two records they did not really see a lot of success, even though Freaky Stally was significantly better than the, the debut album. That album still didn't uh, attain a whole lot of mainstream success, even with George Clinton uh, producing the record and such. But the Uplift Mofo Party Plan is where the band was starting to hit their stride. So some of the things that I like about this record is, one, this is the first and only album with the original lineup. So Cliff Martinez left the band after Freaky Stiley and Jack Irons came back into the fold to replace him on drums. So now you have the original 
Chili Peppers lineup for an album. And it was their first successful album. It actually entered the Billboard 200. I think it I think it debuted at 148. And it was also the beginning of the Chili Peppers starting to get a little heavier uh, with their sound. You know, uh, the first two albums had kind of more of a a punk aesthetic in the sound. But this record right here, they start to add some heavy metal riffs in a lot of the songs. And not only that, uh, this record, while it's still funky by nature, uh, the, the funk is starting to kind of not, it's not dwindling. But it's starting to kind of, it's starting to kind of fade down a little bit, and rock music is becoming more prominent because most a lot of the songs on here you could categorize as like psychedelic rock, and of course Hillel Slavic's in the band, which psychedelia seemed to be his flavor. So yeah, this this record had more of a rock oriented sound, uh, more akin to like psychedelic rock. And then some specific songs that I liked it on here was uh, Organic Anti-Beatbox Band, which is the last song on the album. That's one of my favorite Chili Pepper songs. Uh, real, really, a really heavy song. Not not extreme, but it but it, it was a pretty heavy song, man. And I like the fact that they had like members of Fishbone and other bands that they were friends with to come in and do the chorus and, su- and stuff. And then you have the song called Backwoods, which is another one of my favorite Chili Pepper songs. Because I like the subject matter because they're actually giving you history about rock and roll music and, you know, where it started and where it came from. And then you have Behind the Sun, which I would say is one of Anthony Kiedis' best uh, vocal performances. And this was early in his career when he still really wasn't uh, singing or he wasn't known as a singer. Now, this particular album is where Anthony really started to employ more and more of the singing as opposed to the rapping, although the rapping is still intact. But yeah, Behind the Sun is a excellent Chili Pepper song. Uh, it's more very, it's more psychedelic in nature, man. Very psychedelic, kind of hippie-ish vibe t- to it. And then uh, you have Special Secret Song Inside, which I'm not going to repeat the actual title of that song. I'll let you all look that up for yourself. But I guess you could consider that sort of like a joke track. In some aspects, but the thing is, if it was a joke track and that's what his intent was to be, they made a really good joke track as opposed to the previous records. Like they really made a full fledged song out of this song. Yeah, they they made a full fledged song out of this one, man. So I really enjoy that track as well. And like I said, this was the album where where Anthony started to employ more of his singing vocals as opposed to rapping. Now, some things I don't like about the record is, like, towards the end of the album, I think it's after they do the, uh, that Bob Dylan cover, it starts to kind of lose it a little bit, you know, kind of start to lose interest, like, with Love Trump's Sucker and stuff like that. They're not terrible songs, but, you know, usually when I'm listening to the album, I kind of skip them, and this is the only album with the original lineup. Unfortunately, because with this album, they started to see a lot of main. They started to see some moderate mainstream success, especially with the first single from the album called "Fight Like a Brave," which I would say is probably a well-known, popular Chili Pepper song. They started to see some mainstream success with that with that uh, particular song, and 
this record ended up kind of getting them it elevated their status more while they were still relatively an underground band at this point, but it started to get them noticed. I, b- I believe fight like a brave got aired on MTV uh, for a time and such, such of that nature. And, you know, they ended up doing a pretty successful tour, I believe off of this record. But, you know, unfortunately, like I said, this was the only album with the original lineup because after the shortly after the tour of this record, Hillel Slavic he died from a heroin overdose, and Jack Irons ended up leaving the band because he he really couldn't take Hillel's death that he didn't take it very well, so he ended up leaving the leaving the band. And Anthony and Flea, you know, they were questioning whether they should continue on with the band. So the the red the Red Hot Chili Peppers' future was in jeopardy after. You know, Hillel's death, you know, he was one of the original members. And you have to understand, all these guys met each other when they were like in junior high school and stuff, you know. So they, they practically grew up together as kids. And then, you know, one of the one of the original members ends up dying. So then another one ends up leaving the band. So Anthony and Flea, they didn't they wasn't sure where they how they should continue. But of course as history serves, they did continue on. But yeah, it would it would have been interesting to see where the band would have went after this record had Hillel still lived. But you know, hey, everything happens for a reason. So uh, uh, we go to the next album. Some of you might be shocked by this one, but for the next record, I chose Blood Sugar Sets Magic. All right, so now this was the big album for the Chili Peppers, man. This was the record that turned them into superstars it really it really elevated their status man you know uh some things that i enjoy about this record though is that they started they they started to expand their sound with this record you know rick rubin produced this album so he encouraged them to like try different things with their music and they did it you know there's there's more elements of alternative rock a little folk music a little little middle middle eastern style stuff in there, especially in a song called "Breaking the Girl," a lot of good, a lot of different uh, varieties of styles were employed on this record, man. And then it was more melodic. It was more melodic, and Anthony sings a lot more on this record. I think on this album, this is where Anthony really became more confident as a vocalist. And it's amazing because you know he he wasn't really. Uh, he wasn't necessarily trained to be a singer or nothing like that, man. He, you know, he started out rapping and then eventually he just gradually started to get more confident in his vocals and he became a vocalist, a singing, a singing vocalist. And he developed his own singing style that's very, that's very recognizable in rock music or in music in general. And I think this album is where he really evolved and became very confident in his abilities as a singer. And there's some songs on here that I particularly enjoy. You know, I like uh, Suck My Kiss, uh, Breaking the Girl, like I just mentioned. Uh, I Could Have Lied, Sir Psycho Sexy, uh, Power of Equality is a good one. Uh, I like Power of Equality. That It's more of a, that's a rap rock track, but I like the uh, public enemy influence that the band went for. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Kiedis said in his book Scar Tissue that, you know, he was in, he was inspired by Public Enemy when he wrote that song, "The Power of Equality," because it's about racism and things of that nature. Uh, "Sir Psycho Sexy" that's one of the last songs on the album. That's one of the most funkiest songs on the on the record that I really enjoy because it kind of 
the subject matter and the style that the song is played, to me, it harkens back to the early Chili Peppers, like around the Freaky Styley era. It, it sounds like a song that could have easily fit in on Freaky Styley. Honestly, man, it, it kind of harkens back to that that era of the band. And uh, let's say "Suck My Kiss." That was one of the big singles from the album, which and I think it's very underrated too. It's very underrated uh, compared to the other songs that were released off this album. I guess because of the title. Suck my kiss. It's a, I guess it's almost borderline graphic, but I just, I just thought it was, I just always dug that song. I always dug the vibe of the song and always the, the, the delivery that Anthony Kiedis delivered, uh, on that song, man. It, it's one of my favorites, man. I enjoy it quite well. So some things that I don't like about this record is, to me, they toned down the funk influences a lot on this record, and the more alternative rock type stylings is more prominent on here and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing but you know the chili peppers are really good at, at playing funk music you know that's that's their foundation in all honesty is funk and i felt that that a lot of that was toned down on this record in favor of the more other styles but you know it's like i said it's not necessarily a bad thing but it would have been nice to hear more songs along the lines of sir psycho sexy on, on this record too and then there, there's no like heavy like metal riffs, you know. Like I said on the the album before this and the album before that one, you know, they started to employ a lot of heavier riffs in their music. A lot of those aren't really on this record. It's not really on here. And then the biggest dislike is that a lot of the singles from this album are overplayed. They're way overplayed. Uh, how many times can we hear "Under the Bridge"? How many times can we hear "Give It Away Now"? Uh, how many times can we hear "Breaking the Girl"? Or, I well, I don't think "Breaking the Girl" really get, gets overplayed that much. Probably back in the day, it got hella overplayed. But uh, yeah, a lot of the big singles from this record just are just way overplayed. You know, radio really killed it. Really, radio really killed it, man. Uh, I don't know what else to say, man. Like. You know, give it away now. It's it's a cool song, but you know, it's not it's not a song that I really want to hear too much anymore. As well as uh, under the bridge. I mean, not a song that I really want to hear too much anymore. So it it, t- it takes away that timelessness, in my opinion, by the radio overplaying those songs so much, man. So there's really not a lot of a lot of that value of like when you first heard the song left. You know, but. That's that's about it. other than that, you know, Blood Sugar Sets Magic is a really great album. You know, like I said, it this was the record that catapulted the Chili Peppers into being rock superstars. So they wouldn't be where they are now if it wasn't for that record. And you know, Rick Rubin did them justice, man, by getting behind the boards and producing for for them. All right, so now we get to the final album on my list, and this is going to be the best album on this ranking. And some of you will probably. Not even going to be surprised by this, but I chose Mother's Milk as the best. Yes, that's right, Mother's Milk. This is my all-time favorite Chili Peppers album. If you ask me what is my one favorite Chili Peppers album, I'm going to automatically tell you Mother's Milk. Uh, What I like about this record is that, for one, this was the first album with the classic lineup. So with this record... Chad Smith, he came in on drums, 
and John Fushante came in on guitar. They they replaced Jack Irons and Hillel Slavic, respectively. And I think that this is the beginning of when the Chili Peppers took off. I think with the addition of Chad and John, this is what really solidified the Chili Peppers' status in rock history. And it catapulted them and took them to a way higher level. So another thing I like about this album is that this is the heaviest Chili Peppers album. This is the closest that that the Chili Peppers ever got to being metal. Lots of heavy metal riffs on these songs. Man, is it a heavy record. That's why I really enjoy it, man, because you can listen to this record, you can get funky, but you can also headbang to a lot of the stuff on this record as well, man. I, I think they did an awesome job. And it's crazy, though, because the band really did not like how this record turned out. In the end, they didn't like the heaviness of this record. They wanted this album to be more like what they did on Blood Sugar Sets Magic. But honestly, man, I'm glad that they that this album turned out the way that it did, man. It's just awesome. I, I feel like, you know, it was a good competitor with like Faith No More is the real thing at the time, you know. But. I just really did the heavy metal riffs that they employed on this record, even if the band doesn't really like it. And th- and again, this is another album where Anthony's singing became more prevalent. Yeah, the rapping style is still intact, but yes, once again, his vocals, he's not shying away from being a very a very good singer. Like he's He's gotten more confident at this point in his singing abilities. And then a few songs on here that I enjoy, uh, Higher Ground, which is a Stevie Wonder cover. Man, they man, they really did that song justice. I mean, they turned that song into a metal, they turned it into a metal song. They turned Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground into a metal song. And this was one of the first Chili Pepper songs that I remember hearing and seeing the video for as a kid. When I was a little kid, you know, uh you know, growing up in the uh, 90s and stuff, man. I remember seeing this on MTV one time. I mean, at the time that I saw, you know, the Chili Peppers had already been solidified. But I remember seeing it one morning on MTV, that video, and really enjoying that song. I mean, they really turned Stevie Wonder's High Ground to a metal song. Then uh, Knock Me Down, which uh, was a song that was dedicated to Hillel Slavic, you know, about you know about drug addiction and things of that nature. It, Anthony Kiedis has said that it's not really a song that's anti-drug, but it's just more of a song about hey, if you see me, he was talking about how like as a as a drug addict, you sometimes get arrogant and egotistical with it, and he was he was saying like hey, you know. If you see that I'm getting out of hand with this, don't be afraid to like bring me back down to reality and, and check me with it. You know, it, you know, it, basically that's what he was saying. It's not he he's pointed out that it's not an anti-drug song or anything, but it was dedicated to Hillel Slovak, and it does touch on the subject of addiction. Then you got Subway to Venus, which is my favorite song on this album. A really great funk metal song, uh, uh, the epitome, the definition of what funk metal should be. I mean. Uh, funky rhythms, uh, got a horn section, just just great, man. And I, I really like the end of the song where it kind of goes into kind of like a punk rock kind of thrash tempo and really just rocks out. You can headbang too. Same thing with Higher Ground. Uh, towards the end of Higher Ground, they speed up the tempo like a thrash metal song or a hardcore punk song, get real heavy and intense. 
And then a sexy uh, Mexican maid. Uh, not not much I can say about this. It's just one of those like kind of sexy uh, uh, romantic songs that uh, Anthony Kiedis was known for. Uh, and I don't mean romantic in the sense that it's like a slow song or anything. It's just him talking about a, a sexy Mexican girl that, that he's in love with or whatever and that he's having a relationship with, man. It's it's just really it's a it's really kind of a kind of mid tempo smooth rock song. You know, a really cool way to kinda of end the album. Uh and then you got Johnny Kick a Hole in the Sky, which was the the last song on the record, which is more like a one of those political songs where uh Anthony is addressing like his Native American heritage and the issues that they, they faced in America. So, you know, this is, again, you know, the Chili Peppers going more the social commentary route. So some dislikes that I have about this album. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I don't have many dislikes about this record. And I'm not even trying to be biased, you know, because I did say that this is my favorite Chili Peppers record. But honestly, I couldn't find a whole lot about this album that I disliked. The only thing that I could find, and this was a nitpick, was in the song Nobody Weird Like Me, oh, excuse me, Anthony had this kind of corny line where he said something about riding on a giraffe and the giraffe laughed because he passed gas. I don't know what that was about. It sounded like he might have ran out of things to write about on that. I don't know what the intent of that line was. I just thought that line was kind of corny and cheesy. But the song overall, Nobody Weird Like Me, is... It's one of the best songs on the album. It's a really dope song. Very heavy, too. That's really the only dislike that I could find. That's that's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. That's a nit. Excuse me. That's a nitpick because I thought long and hard about what I disliked about that album. And I just not could, could not find too much that I did dislike about it. So... Yeah, man, Mother's Milk, man. That's I think that's I think this is the Chili Peppers' best album, in my opinion. You know, I mean, to each his own. Everybody has their opinions on the matter, but I just I just really like it. I think it's one of the most consistent albums that they've done. And then, not to mention the instrumental, uh, Pretty Little Ditty, which you know, Crazy Town sampled that one part for the song Butterfly, and then you have the song Taste the Pain. Which was one of the singles from the record. I think Taste the Pain is a very underrated song that doesn't get a lot of uh, airplay. I think that's an awesome song, especially that bridge part where Flea plays the trumpet. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that Flea that Flea is also an accomplished trumpet player because he initially wanted to be a jazz musician um, before he turned to rock music. But yes, I really enjoy Mother's Milk and. One thing that I, I can't say about this album, too, is that a lot of the big singles from this record still have a value to them. They're not overplayed. Like like a lot of the songs you hear on uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, a lot of the singles from this record still have that value to them. Like when you hear them, it, it's, like you're, it's like you're hearing them for the first time all over again. So I, I'm glad that none of the singles from this record, even though they were hugely successful when they came out, I'm glad that radio hasn't killed the, those singles. They haven't overplayed them to the point where n- nobody really wants to hear them anymore. So I'm glad those those songs like Taste the Pain and Knock Me Down and Higher Ground, I'm glad that they still 
hold that timeless value, that the same value that they obtained back in '89 when this record came out. But yes, that's my that's my list of from worst to best by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, 1984 to 1991. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this list. Uh, it didn't take me too long to come to compile this list. I I got on the Chili Peppers kick, and I just started thinking of what I liked about each one of these albums that I were listening to and I came up with the list like that man so this was a pretty this was a pretty easy one to come up with man and I hope you all who are listening if you've never heard any of these records that I just named definitely go on Spotify or whatever platform you use to listen to music and check out these records man uh some really good albums save for maybe the first album because I think that's a I think that record is just terrible man but uh, definitely go and check out these records, man, because, you know me, I'm not going to steer you wrong. You know, I'm I'm not somebody that promotes whack music, man. And uh, definitely, if you get a chance, uh, check out Anthony Kiedis's, uh Scar Tissue autobiography, where he tells a lot of stories about his upbringing. And he goes into more details about what went down during the recordings of a lot of these albums and what inspired him to write a lot of your favorite Chili Pepper songs, especially some from this era. So definitely check out his autobiography, Scar Tissue. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode of the Boombox Guru. And as always, stay tuned and keep it locked in. Peace. What's good, everybody? Hope you enjoyed this new episode of the Boombox Guru. And if you did enjoy this episode, I want you guys to do me a favor. I want you to follow me on Spotify at the Boombox Guru. Check it out on Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public. You can also follow my Instagram page at the Boombox Guru. You can also like my page on Facebook, known as the Boombox Guru. Just go ahead and check me out. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that you know that might be interested in this type of content about the Boombox Guru. And as always, hope everyone has a lovely day and be blessed.